Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode, all about the Bad Batch, episodes seven and eight The Clone Conspiracy, Truth and Consequences. Guys, I've been waiting to talk about this episode, these episodes, for a while now. If your jaw was not on the floor by the time we got to the end of Truth and Consequences, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I know. I know. That was a throw my iPad moment when I was watching these. I feel like my jaw was on the floor. Jaw was on the floor. It was the best. Real Clone Wars realness for me. I feel like it was just so good. Wow. 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 This episode. All the pieces sliding into place. Palpatine's reveal, I was just aghast. Literally, my jaw was on the floor. Open mouth, just complete shock and awe as he just reveals himself from the floor, (laughs) rising up and everything goes according to plan for him. It's it's truly incredible. It's honestly perfect. It was a perfect situation where we have two episodes of political machinations. It feels very Clone Wars, like I said. It gets quite complicated. But just when you think that the good guys are going to pull something off, instead, Palpatine takes it into his own hands. And of course, the master puppet master Mm -hmm. really plays the strings and gets exactly what he wants. And everyone leaves with egg on their face. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was unreal. The staging of it all, the music, Palpatine is in the Bad Batch, and that was scary. (laughs) He is the ultimate big bad, and whenever they can use him, this is the perfect instance, I think, to include him here in this because, like I said, you you were all leading to, okay, I hope that Rio Chuchi pulls it off, bails here, Omega brings the evidence, it's all good, everything is coming into place, and you're like, man, and then you remember this isn't a a system filled with justice. We're in the time of the empire mm-hmm. and Palpatine rules. And then there's an alarm that blares and up comes Palpatine. Wow. 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 Yeah. It's, it's truly incredible. I think this episode was great in showing just how smart Palpatine is because we talk about him as the puppet master all the time, right? How he's orchestrated all of the Clone Wars, but like, good God, that's a lot to orchestrate and keep track of, Right. But you really see how even with all of these, all of these wild cards, you know, all of these changes, all of these different people coming in, getting involved, he still is able to make himself come out on top in the end, get rid of people who could be a risk to him, like uh, Rampart in this one, and make it seem like he is, you know, for the protection and safety of the galaxy. When this is, this was all a part of his plan anyway. This was going to happen regardless. It was just how he got there. And he's able to work anything pretty much to get his outcome, the the outcome that he wants. And that's what makes him such a good villain. I think this has been one of the most like menacing I've seen Palpatine. And it was just, it was perfection because as you're following along in this episode and kind of keeping track of, of what everyone is doing, what all these things mean. This is this is a super political episode. Like we are living in the Senate. We are talking about bills, legislation, acts getting passed, you know, money laundering, like pensions, pen, pensions, like <laughs> all of this stuff. I think I, it's a lot to keep track of, you know, and then to get to the end, you know, and Palpatine rises up from the floor and suddenly, you know, gets his way in a snap of his fingers. The very thing that we know is that our our heroes are fighting against. 
it's just incredible and in like that that terrible <laughs> incredible kind of way you know uh, well it's pure drama it's pure yeah, it's pure drama yeah exactly yeah. to know that everything they've been doing for the past you know two episodes has been for naught and right of course that's how it's that's how it's going to be because like you said this is the time of the empire and we know the stormtroopers exist so how did that come about and we're seeing it in 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 quote unquote real time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think it's another reminder to me that I really do feel like this show is for fans of the Clone Wars or people who watched the Clone Wars when it was even live or binged it in the past five years. Because I just don't feel like the show is made for kids. Um, and it feels like like this specific episode, these specific episodes to me just felt very heavy on a lot of lingo. Like even before we were recording, I have to confess to Caitlin, I was like, okay, let me just talk it out to you about like all the different <laughs> acts, what we're talking about. Do we fully understand what conscription means? All these things about just, you know, the political definitions of everything that's being thrown around here. It's a lot. And I just think that if I'm thinking about who the audience for The Bad Batch is, I don't necessarily think it's a fresh new Star Wars fan. I think it's someone who, who's been around for a while, who knows the Clone Wars, who knows the prequels, who understands what sort of terminology is being, being thrown around in the prequels. Like there's so much and we'll get into it. I think we're going to talk a lot about the comparisons to Attack the Clones and things like that and specifically the clone conspiracy. But I do feel like when we talk about the audience for The Bad Batch, I just, I don't know. I feel It feels older to me. It feels much older than... Yeah than what we were dealing with, I guess, in the Clone Wars. And that's not to say that we weren't dealing with political episodes in the Clone Wars and that was for a younger audience. That That's true. I just think that was George Lucas's mindset, not necessarily like a Disney mindset. <laughs> and I, I just feel like this show grew up with the people who watched the Clone Wars years ago. I think, in my opinion, yeah, I think this episode is going to be one of those ones that ages really well. It's going to be, I think, on those like lists those you know top 10 episodes if you want to get to know the clones or like the stormtroopers or like the politics of the galaxy you know what i mean i think it's it's going to be in those types of lists and i think that you know even for younger audiences watching this i mean this was certainly my experience with the prequels i had no idea what the heck was going on with the politics of the prequels for like a long time do you remember when i was like explain it back to me yeah 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 I, the <laughs> truth is i never cared to like understand the politics i was like i'm here for the lightsabers i'm here for the romance. I'm here for the drama. Yeah. What? Are, why are we on the Senate floor? <laughs> you know, like what? I think. I mean, I think the show, the movies, do a good enough job of understanding who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Yeah. And something bad happens, something good happens. So yeah. it's not like you really need to know the specifics all the time, yeah, right? Exactly. And I think that's you could probably say the same thing for this episode: is that you know who the good guys are, you know who the bad guy is, and when he comes up from the floor, he gets his way, and that's yeah. it. Period. Well, I think it's smart because you know it has this this easy thing to latch on to of we're trying to prove that Rampart destroyed Camino. Like that's, that's not, I think if you're a younger audience that that's not necessarily like a political, I mean, obviously it's political, you know what I mean? But it's like, Oh yeah, I remember when Camino got destroyed. We're trying to prove that, you know, but there's also all of these other things that are kind of going along with that, you know, part of proving that uh, Camino was destroyed by Rampart you know, comes into play all of this legislation that's that's trying to get passed off of the Senate floor. So um, I think I imagine this is probably a really difficult episode to like script and storyboard and make sure that 
you know, everything was kind of lining up and all of the pieces were were fitting together like they were supposed to into this like bigger timeline. And of course, there's still a lot that can be said about, you know, how we get to the stormtroopers. And I think this episode leaves a lot to the imagination or rather still to learn about, about why exactly the stormtroopers, like what's up with them? Why are we decommissioning clones? Like all of that, you know what I mean? And obviously like the clones are aging at an accelerated rate. Regardless, I think there's still a lot that we have to find out, but I think this is filling in a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Also, we've talked a lot about Palpatine. We've talked a lot about the end of the episode, but we haven't talked about another huge thing that came out of these two episodes, and that is Echo left the Bad Batch to go with Rex. What do you think about it? What are your emotions, Caitlin? Give it to me. Echo leaving. Okay, so I think this is something we've been talking about all season, right? And they've kind of been dropping little, I wouldn't say hints about it, but it's definitely that something that Echo has been talking a lot about. I think this is kind of a natural progression for him. I do kind of think this might have been like a weaker part of the episode, if I'm being honest. Um, We know that Echo has kind of been wanting to do more for the greater galaxy. He's talked about this a number of times throughout the season so far. But I don't know. I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see Echo tell the rest of the Bad Batch that he was making this decision, right? It just kind of comes at the end. And Mm. I also am like, no one, like Echo says goodbye and all of the Bad Batch walks off. I'm like, guys, Omega doesn't know. Like no one warns her. (laughs) No one's like, listen, (laughs) Echo's got to tell you something or like go talk to Echo for a second. I don't know. So I I think that could have been handled a little differently. I really liked Echo and Omega's conversation at the very end where Echo's talking about, you know, this is something I feel I need to do. And, you know, don't worry, like we're we're always going to be a family. Like I thought that was really sweet, of course. And, um, you know, Omega kind of understanding that. And I think we'll talk about this more later on about like Omega – in this episode and seeing kind of the grand scale of politics on the galactic stage. So I think like that and her understanding that Echo needs to go be a part of this like bigger thing right now, it will begin to make sense to her. But I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think I would have liked to have seen Echo make that decision or him them like prepare Omega for it instead of they literally just walk into the ship and leave her there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I think it's the right move for Echo's character. Yeah, I do too. When it happened, I was like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I I want to make a comment that sort of on my second watch of these episodes, I recognize, but maybe I didn't recognize when I first watched these two episodes together. Uh, you know, the Bad Batch's part in this arc only happens in the second episode, the Truth and Consequences episode, mm-hmm. not the first. So we're talking about basically one episode where Echo makes the decision to leave with Rex. And yes, we yeah. don't see it. And I agree. I think that's not great. And sometimes I think with this show, we spend a lot of time with Omega, who I do think is our main protagonist. And sometimes I think it's at the expense of understanding the complicated emotions of the other members of the Bad Batch. And I don't really know how to approach that because I it's kind of half-baked and it's not necessarily – like that thought is kind of half-baked and I don't feel super strongly about it. But I do think that it hap- – like I do think that happens. I think we're focused – just like this episode, right? We're focused on Omega. We're focused on Omega shadowing Rio Chuchi and we miss some of the key sort of conversations, I would assume, that would happen potentially with Rex and the rest of the Bad Batch. Um 
obviously we do spend time with that crew when they're storming that one ship and everything, but it's very battle heavy. It's not necessarily time for a conversation. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like we sort of miss out on some of those things. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I just kind of feel neutral about it. There's the one moment where Rex is talking to Echo. I think it's Echo. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's Echo. I'm like, they all have their helmets on. Um, <laughs> and he's talking about how, you know, help is hard to find. And there's kind of a, a long pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, like, I think there should have been more of a, a pause or maybe even maybe we didn't even need to see Echo make that decision and tell the others. But to your point about it being like from Omega's perspective, I do kind of think there should have been some more care with how they told Omega. Yeah, I agree. Also, I wanted to comment that in the beginning of Truth and Consequences, Omega and Echo have a great conversation about how mm -hmm. Echo says that, you know, he's here at the in the Bad Batch because it's where he fits. It's where he was needed. And he doesn't like being alone. So I think that if you think about his interactions with Rex later in the episode, he realizes that he's actually needed with Rex. Yeah. And I think it's just curious because we go from all the way back in the Clone Wars with the Bad Batch arc um, of Rex and Anakin rescuing Echo from Skako Minor and then Echo making the choice to go with the Bad Batch. And here he is going back with Rex. Everything has changed, but he's going back with Rex. Yeah. Um, where do we – what does that leave us going forward? Is this the beginning of some other members of the Bad Batch leaving? I don't I don't know. I think that's up for conversation continuously. This is the first time, obviously, we've seen one of them leave that wasn't Crosshair um, and leave their current circumstances, which feel different than when Crosshair left too. Yeah. So I, I, I think it is perhaps the beginning of a lot of changes happening in the Bad Batch. Um We'll see. We'll see. And maybe in next season too. Yeah, I know this is this is a conversation we had a lot last season about, you know, talking about clones' purpose. And last season we referenced a lot this like very early video from Dave Filoni, like I think back in like season one or season two of the Clone Wars, where he used to do these, I don't know, like very short AMA style videos on YouTube. They were they were literally like one or two minutes long, very short. And one of the questions that he was asked back then was um, I think like, does Rex get a happy ending? It was something like that. Or, or what is the clone? What is Rex purpose? I, something worded like that. But Dave went on this like very long spiel that we talked a lot about last season about like, what is a clone's purpose? Um, and when are they happy? Are they happy fulfilling their purpose? Can their purpose only be defined by the chip in their head? What does it mean when that chip is out? What does it mean when a soldier who was created to be a soldier is no longer a soldier? And I think that I imagine that that conversation has uh, been uh, over the entire series of the Bad Batch and, and even in the Clone Wars as well. But I, I really see it here in these episodes because we get a lot of different clones perspective on what they should or shouldn't be doing. Like we have the one clone in the clone bar uh, when Chuchi's asking him what um, – like what he needs. And he's like, I need to be a trooper, right? Like he wants to go out and be fighting the insurgents. We have Rex who, um, you know, is on this new mission in life to help other clones that are, I think he says something like seeing the truth or, or waking up, I think is how he describes it. We have Echo kind of changing his path uh, multiple times throughout the series so far. And then we even have clones like that assassin clone who calls himself a believer and that Rex is limited in how he views uh, the galaxy right now. So how has his purpose changed? And I think 
um, that's the question that each of these clones, each of our bad batch have to answer ultimately. What is Wrecker's purpose? What is Hunter's purpose? Omega, Tech, Echo, Crosshair's purpose. Um, I think they're all figuring it out. And I imagine that it could pull them in different directions at some point or, you know, for forever. Uh, but I think that's I think that's ultimately what the show will answer, right? Hopefully, by the time we get to the end of it, is what are what do these characters feel their purpose is at this moment in time? I think this is a good point to talk about the Attack of the Clones comparisons. I felt like they were hitting us over the head mm-hmm. with the Attack of the Clones comparisons. First off, like it reminds me of the beginning of Attack of the Clones with the bar where some, you know, nefarious whispers happen and then you know, an assassination from above happens as well. Um, fearing a spread of information. And I think all of this is supposed to remind us of Attack of the Clones, mainly because Attack of the Clones, while we think about, while so many people think about Attack of the Clones as the movie that, you know, is the romance between Anakin and Padme, it really was the documented the creation and uh, use of the clones for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just curious and interesting how this arc references the beginning of the clones' sort of life within the Republic, even though they had been created and born for years before then. But sort of the collective consciousness of the existence of the clones and their use in the Republic happened in Attack of the Clones. And now this arc is sort of an interesting closure to that entire arc the entire question of these this arc is asking what do we do with the clones and at the end of it we find out that now there's going to be a a stormtrooper era so it's really we're referencing the beginning the tldr and then now Mm -hmm. we are referencing and experiencing the end so what does this mean for our clones what does this mean for all these millions of people we saw always say and i just i need to share this because sometimes when we're writing notes i'm like we always refer to this group of people as like clones it just feels so like scientific sometimes where i'm like these are people we're talking about people we're talking about a group of people who have who should have uh the same rights as the next person in this galaxy and yet they don't and that's what we're really dealing with here um, and we say on the podcast and ev- like so many Star Wars fans in the shows show does too talk about clones, but they're not separate from the, another being. And we always talk about a clone's purpose. And again, I just sometimes I feel like it gets a little scientific, even though that's not the intention at all. And I think that's sort of this push and pull that I'm feeling in this episode too of no, these are people. They deserve rights. They have no representation in the Senate. We find out that Camino at one point did have representation in the Senate, but then it was booted out. And I think that was that was an interesting reveal because I didn't think that they would have representation in the Senate. And just because Camino did doesn't mean that the clones do. I mean, they created millions of people and yet they have no rights. All this to say, I just feel like sometimes the language around talking about clones like feels so separate. And I don't love how it sounds sometimes, but it is the heart of the show. And I think we're supposed to sometimes feel that uncomfortableness. Yeah, I absolutely think we're supposed to. And I think that, like you said, this episode, this is what the episode is dealing with. You have half of the Senate who don't view the clones as people. 
that are happy to decommission them, whatever that means, and move on to the next thing. They've outlived their purpose. I wouldn't even say outlived. They've outserved their purpose. Um, they've like expired, basically, uh, in yes. the eyes of a lot of the Senate to the point where you know they don't have representation. There's no infrastructure set up for them um, once they become you know, unusable. And I think we're supposed to think about that, um, about how people are viewing the clones versus, you know, what we know to be true is that these are all individuals. And that's something that, you know, the Clone Wars has stressed. Um, and of course, the Bad Batch has stressed, too, that these are all individual people. And so I think it's, I think these episodes are, are dense in general, and also like, giving a lot as far as, um, the perspectives of different people in the galaxy about how they really view the clones. And so you have a senator like Senator Tucci who, you know, wants to set up that infrastructure, wants pensions for them, wants to listen to their needs and present that to the empire. But how much good is that ultimately doing? Zero good by the end of it, despite all of her good deeds um, throughout these episodes, you know? So yeah, I think we're supposed to acknowledge that uncomfortableness and sit with it. And, you know, I can't help when we're thinking about like the clone bar at the beginning of the episode. I can't help thinking about like our droid bar that we saw in the Mandalorian trailer too. Like these um, groups of of people with the clones and these groups of, I would say, like sentient machines with the droids that are not given representation or rights or um, the same kind of freedoms as, you know, everyone else in the galaxy, despite with the clones, you know, fighting this war for however many years, the Clone Wars and the droids, like, they uphold the galaxy at large. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Kind of shifting gears. How cool was it to see Rio Chuchi again? Oh my gosh. I was so excited to see Senator Chuchi. <laughs> I was like, wow, it's been so long. And I think this was such a smart move to have Chuchi be the senator that we're kind of following as someone that we recognize, but someone that is not, you know, a Vale Organa and not Vale Organa either. It's great that he's in these episodes because we know that Bale is involved in a lot right now. But I love that we have this other senator who we clearly see fighting for justice and that there are more of those types of people in the Senate that are fighting an uphill battle, but are still fighting that uphill battle. You know, it's not just Bale or Ghana out here running the whole rebellion. Um, there's someone like Senator Chuchi who is putting her life on the line for something that she believes in like this. I feel like she's, she was always a fan favorite. I felt like in the Clone Wars. Her outfits were the cutest. Yes, uh, totally. And I feel like I was wondering what she was up to. So I'm glad to see her <laughs> again. Seeing Bale too was really cool. And it just felt like, yes, these would be the people that would be fighting on this side and still fighting, which I think is uh, interesting, I guess. I, you know, I think that I think Chuchi is like one kind of flaw in this episode was that I think she kind of showed her cards to Rampart uh, near the yeah. end of the episode, you know, when she's asking him about what really happened on Camino. I think she she kind of gave away her her hand then. But yeah, I was really glad to see Bill in these episodes. Like I said earlier, I think it makes sense that he would kind of um, be on to Chuchi kind of investigating things, kind of 
under the table, as it were. Um, and I like what Bale says, you know, about to, Topeka City. You know, it's designed to be submersible and yet a storm really destroys it. And he also says the issue of clone rights is part of a much bigger picture. These insurgencies that have arisen, their numbers are growing and the emperor is afraid. And I think mm. this is important, what I was saying earlier about how there's still a couple of things we don't really know what all of this is leading to. Obviously, it's leading to the stormtroopers, but I think there's a bigger thing going on here. This is the emperor we're talking about. Um, the storm, All of this being just about the stormtroopers would kind of be too easy, I think. You know what I mean? So, And I think Bale has hints of what's going on or knows that there's something bigger than just the clones uh, here. I also think, you know, we've got this assassin clone that is really interesting. What did you think about this This assassin clone that was hunting Slip and Chuchi? I am not sure what I thought about the assassin clone. I was so surprised it was a clone, honestly, when yeah. they did the reveal. Yeah, me too. Um, and he very much sounds brainwashed. The way that he talks was so automatic. I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was very unsettling. <laughs> um, also, the fact that he, what is, I forget what they say, but his like identifying number had been wiped, which Tech says he didn't know was possible, which we don't find many things in the galaxy that Tech doesn't know how to do when it comes to technology, right? So I, <laughs> <laughs> pun intended, I think this is a, like a really important, like small little detail here that a clone ID can be erased. So what does that mean for all of our clones that are running around the galaxy now mm -hmm. with these ID chips? You know, you think about what Rex is doing, how he's helping clones that have, have waken up, woken up, um, where he is taking them, where they're going, how they're living their lives. They're always in hiding. Of course, they have the most recognizable face in the galaxy, but to get rid of that identifying number would be, in a lot of ways, a, a ticket to freedom, I imagine. So I think that's a really interesting tidbit. Who is doing that? It, it, it was very unsettling. And the fact that he calls himself a believer, that's such a weird way to phrase things. Right. Like, to me, that doesn't feel like something someone fighting for the empire would say. Right, that's the thing. That's why I wanted your opinion, because I honestly, I don't really know how to feel about it. It feels sort of outside of the story that we're telling in yeah. these two episodes. It feels larger than that. Yeah, but we know Rampart hired him or was yeah. working with him. So there's something bigger going on is the point. There's something yeah. bigger yeah. because the, uh, the erasure of a a clone IG, I feel like you're right. It is a key or ticket to freedom that would be interesting, but it also is a erasing of an identity too. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought that this clone was just someone who thought that, you know, people were sticking their nose where it didn't belong, I guess, or was just uninterested in sort of this rebellious attitude, which I think you see characters like that in Star Wars sometimes where they're just like, why change things? It's just the way they are. So that was my original thought when I saw that it was a clone, that that was the the like path that they were going to go on. But I feel like it's not <laughs> because of the believer moniker and the, you know, deleting the clone signifier. It's definitely something more hired by Rampart but I think the next question is, where is the money going then that Rampart was funneling? Why Why be so, like, why? The question is really why. Yeah, yeah, it's all being hidden. The last thing I wanted to add, though, about the trooper is that, uh, or the assassin clone is, right, if he's been brainwashed, don't they describe the, con the conscripted stormtroopers as 
brain scraping. Isn't that how they describe it? Wasn't Is it, it how I they describe remember. It's like from the visual Finn. dictionary. Yeah, about Finn. And they use the term yeah. brain scraping. Yes, terrible. Um, it's so the, bad. It's like the worst term ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a sequel trilogy term, and I think it's not in this era. But I but wouldn't be surprised if it building to that. Is this the probably. beginning of brain scraping? <laughs> <Ugh>. Probably. <laughs> but I, I, when you wrote that in our notes, I was like, wait. I haven't thought about that in a long time, and that is so gross. I, <laughs> you like blocked brain scraping from your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a terrible term, it's, and I think it was ugh. for me. I felt like that term. The reason why I say it's a sequel trilogy term is that a lot of the positioning of how we think about the first order is that the first order is, you know, worse than the empire or like a splinter group. Yeah, f- of the empire that is more drastic, more intense, and so I think that. The brainscaping, God, brain scraping is part of that sort of intensity. And I don't know if we're actually there yet in the story with the Stormtrooper program. Yeah, I definitely don't think we're there yet with whatever brain scraping actually is. But (laughs) I do wonder, right, all of these pieces creating a timeline to the point where we get to Finn uh in in the force awakens i can't say the word again it's just it's it's making my brain itch to say it uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yes but yeah yeah so the the question you asked next though is, is where is the money going and i think this is the big piece that is still the question mark because rampart doesn't answer it and palpatine you know comes in flies in at the very last minute and you know avoids the question and does this big speech this grand gesture i would say about protecting the galaxy and the clones, you know, because of their chip, they just follow these orders blindly and look how this can, you know, be a bad thing. And ergo, we shouldn't use them anymore. And we should, you know, conscript our own soldiers, our own stormtroopers, and, you know, gets his way. But we still don't know where the money was going. Uh, Rampart says that the money was, what does he say? He says the funds were redistributed, not misappropriated. Uh, and, yeah, that sounds like something we could hear today in our own um, <laughs> political arena. Uh, so much of this feels like things we've heard in our own uh, political world, of course. But, you know, remember, Star Wars is not political. <laughs> um, I do feel like, though, we're supposed to really think that this is part of a bigger picture. We just got saw like the tip of the iceberg, I think, with Palpatine interfering. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, I, I just... I think because these shows are so close together, I keep thinking about Grogu and what his role is, the Kaminoan scientists, uh, yes. uh, Dr. Pershing, Pershing uh, who mm-hmm. is you know a part of the story of The Mandalorian with Grogu. There's, there's a connection here, right? And when are we going to fully connect these things? Is it in the Bad Batch? Is it something that's coming down the line? I don't know. But I think that these things all have to do with each other. And that these stories are connected. This story of Camino is connected both and what's happening right now in the Bad Batch with the destruction of Camino, even in last season, to, you know, funds being moved from Camino, um, the Kaminoans, you know, only a few Kaminoans surviving. I think all of this has something to do with Grogu at some point. I think there's still a lot of questions about Omega. This is, of course, a big question last season. My favorite theory being that she was force sensitive or they wanted her to be a force sensitive clone. Yeah. 
that's some- I still think they wanted her to be a force sensitive clone. I don't I think do she too. is. I don't think so either. But I mean, everyone has the force, I guess, but I don't think she has a extreme yeah. amount of it. I think that you see that reinforced in last episode, actually, and this episode too, where in the beginning of it, I'm talking about truth and consequences now, the second episode of this set, um, where she's meditating in the beginning. Um, and she says that, you know, she's not a Jedi, but she still enjoys doing it. So cute. It's so cute. It's good. And she taught her how it's it was so cute. I Anyway. I, you know, I said a critique I had of this episode was the fact that the Bad Batch didn't kind of usher Omega through this conversation with Echo of them, of Echo leaving their group, right? I also think it's hilarious to me that, let me back up, in our conversation of Echo and his like character arc, right, I thought it was important to note that Echo is kind of feels like the one who made the decision for them to go to Coruscant after Rex calls them. Hunter is really hesitant and he doesn't actually verbally agree to go to Coruscant. Echo feels like Echo kind of makes that call when they go there. I think it's interesting that Omega doesn't really know anything about Coruscant. She's super smart. We saw a lot of her intelligence last season and continue to, right? But I feel like she knew a lot of facts last season, like about the Bad Batch and Camino and, and all of that. So I'm kind of surprised she doesn't know about Coruscant at this point. But, you know, they're so pr- protective of Omega and so worried about going to Coruscant as clones. But then they're like, yes, let's send Omega to the Senate where there will be all these people talking right. about the clones yeah that was a little silly <laughs> i thought about that i was like she needs a hat or something <laughs> guys what are we doing? the poncho is not enough <laughs> i know dye your hair oh my god guys this is my revelation rex how often do you think rex dyes his hair okay so i know that you <laughs> had this conversation with our friend savannah the other day about rex dyeing his hair but also omega is blonde too so i want to throw that out there that perhaps he's blonde as well, but I bet he does dye his hair. I think he dyes his hair. <laughs> and Savannah, who is the biggest Captain Rex fan, she thinks that he stashes box dye that he keeps under his bunk and that he, while it, while he's dyeing his hair, he doesn't trust anyone else with it. He does it himself. And he um, like cleans his weaponry while the, the dye is percolating on his head. Which yeah, I, probably. Yeah, it's like it's Rex's self-care time. Anyway, yes. I don't know why I've never thought of this, but literally I've never thought of this until these episodes. <laughs> like, I've thought about it a couple times, but just didn't approach it, you know? Yeah. It's – yeah. Anyway. I'm not questioning it. Anyway. I like the – I think I'm not questioning it because I like being able to tell them apart. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm not questioning it either. I just – I was like, you know, when, do, when does a guy find time? <laughs> To pop there. He always finds time. He's saving the galaxy <laughs> one clone at a time. <laughs> it's like when back in the Clone Wars, Rex was dyeing his hair while Anakin would like hollow Padme. <laughs> and it was like the perfect amount of time. <laughs> Rex is like, you get one L'Oreal box dye conversation exactly. a week <laughs> or every six weeks, however long it is. He's got really short hair though. So like it'll be very obvious when his roots grow That's in, what I mean. So. It's pretty frequent. He <laughs> <laughs> does touch ups for sure. Okay. He's got that like little touch up comb, dye comb thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. <laughs> um. I, despite Omega needing a hat in the Senate, especially because she talks to Rampart at one point, I was like, doesn't he 
I swear to God, they know each other. Like Rampart knows Omega. <laughs> That's one of those things I didn't double check before we started yeah, this episode. And I'm just going to trust that either it's one of two things. He's so in his own world and so obsessed with himself and his own deeds that he doesn't even care. Yeah. And he thinks she's dead. Or he knows she's not dead. He doesn't even know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Because he knows the Bad Batch is alive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he never did really see her. He just knows that there's like a small clone that exists. I don't know. But anyway, they were really playing fast and loose with Omega in this episode. Yeah, they really, (laughs) really, really, really were. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's let's talk about uh, Senator Bertoni, which this is a really interesting conversation. What did you think of this conversation? I thought this conversation was really interesting because it revealed to me that other Kaminoans thought that the cloning project as it stood in the past couple years was not worth it or wasn't was like a dying situation in which they shouldn't have put money into. And instead, the people that were at Topoka City, the Kaminoans who ran it, Lamasu and Nalase, are, uh, you know, very much for it, right? And I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I did too. I was really shocked at kind of the candor of Senator Bertoni. The fact that she says that she doesn't care about the remaining Kaminoans. I exactly that that like blew my mind. That's kind of what I mean about this like warring faction, I guess, between the actual cloners and the Senate, I guess was surprising to me. Yeah, it was really surprising to me, too. It was just was such a... Oh, I, I feel like we're not used to... I say we're not used to harsh characters like that, but she feels like a different kind of category compared to, like, our villains, right? Like, someone like Rampart obviously doesn't care about people, but it was just really surprising to hear, you know, a Kaminoan say that she doesn't care about the really the fact that her planet has been destroyed or that, you know, they're a handful of Kaminoans scattered across the galaxy and Omega again, Omega, they just like let her talk in these like really grown up situations, which more, I'm glad they do, but could never have been me. (laughs) I would have been like on the back couch and whoever adult would be like, yeah, you're not even here. You are invisible. Like hush. Right. (laughs) But, uh, Omega is very involved and, and, I think that this is kind of one of the first times that I've really, not the first time, but have really thought about Omega's role in the future, like what her path is. I think I've always kind of assumed or continued to think about her as really young. Whenever mm-hmm. I think about her future a lot of the time, I think because I think about her with Hunter and how I think that, you know, in speaking of clone's purpose, Hunter's purpose is to protect and be that father figure to Omega. I think that's his ultimate purpose, honestly. But to think about uh, Omega as like a 25-year-old, a 30-year-old, and what she's doing in the galaxy, especially because, I mean, not to be doomsday about it, but, you know, her clones, her Bad Batch will probably not be there anymore, right? Um, once, she, once she gets older because they, you know, accelerate, their growth is accelerated. So she will be on her own. And I don't know. I think I got such a perspective of her really kind of fully understanding the full breadth 
of of the galaxy in a lot of ways in this episode of seeing the Senate, of seeing how her first question was, you know, where do the clones sit? And the answer being they don't have a seat at this table. And her, you know, standing up for the Kaminoans that were her home with the Senator Bertoni, someone who by all accounts should be fighting for the truth to come out about what happened to their planet, to Omega's home as well, and doesn't even care. And continually tells Chuchi that it doesn't matter what Chuchi does. Like, it's all for naught. And she's right. Bertoni is right. Um, But that I think the thing that will stay with me from these episodes is that shot of Omega watching the footage of the Venator destroying Kamino. It was just, oh, for her to see that knowing she lived through it and to see it on the Senate floor like that and to see people not care that that had happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, ugh, I, it was really, it, yeah, it was really meaningful, I think. And like really tugged at your heartstrings. And I think Omega's perspective of the galaxy will be a lot different because of this moment. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's the source of a, I think it's her major trauma at this point, right? This destruction mm-hmm. of her home. Yeah. And then she has she's faced with a senator who I think it's it's clear something I don't know if we've talked a, enough about on the show about how Kaminoans except for Nalase, I guess the difference is Nalase, the Kaminoans really view and have always viewed since Attack of the Clones, the clones as property Mm -hmm. and not necessarily people so I think and I it's a tough thing to talk about but I do feel like I I think I I I felt that from Senator Bertoni too that sort of expressed I guess what you could call racism about their clones I guess I don't know it's it's complicated and I think that Omega felt that too felt so underrepresented underrepresented And I, yeah, the thing is about that footage is that it really felt like people were about to care about it, but then Palpatine squashed it. Yeah. So if only in the, here's the whole thing about the Senate, I mean, the empire, if Palpatine wasn't at the head, first off, there wouldn't be an empire, but I don't, there's no, again, like I said in the beginning, there's no justice, there's no democracy in this Senate. It's all fake. And I guess that's kind of true about what Senator Bertoni said, but there are still people like Chuchi and Bail Organa still fighting in that Senate. So, and I think that, and with so many other characters too, not just them, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's hard. It's complicated. There's a lot of things in this episode that are very like heavy, I think. Yeah. 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 Like I said, it just it really makes me think about, you know, maybe Omega will be someone fighting these injustices. I mean, we already see her fighting injustice in in her yeah. in her realm, within her reach when she can. Mm-hmm. Right. But I wonder what that will look like at a large scale uh, as she gets older. Will she become someone like Rex, who is, yeah. you know, helping clones that are still out there or, you know, I don't know, like there will come a time when she's the only one with her face. Right. Right. I mean, I think I, so, you know, yeah. I, I hope so, right? Um, so who will she be then and what will she be doing then? Uh, I'm, I think I think this will be kind of a turning point for her. At least I hope it is because – Well, don't forget about Boba, right? Because don't forget about Boba? <laughs> because Omega and Boba are perhaps the only two clones that don't age quickly. They're unaltered. They're – except yeah. for Omega, I guess, is, is altered, but – 
Not by much. And I think that they are the two that perhaps could be the only ones in the future, right? Ooh. Listen, I I am waiting on the edge of my seat for an Omega Boba reunion meetup. I don't know what it is. I was convinced we were going to get some kind of reference in the book of Boba Fett. I'm a little sad we didn't, <laughs> but maybe. I think maybe. it's the, it's like the Ahsoka living question of it all that has always been, you know, for years about whether or not Ahsoka survived the Clone Wars. I think it's sort of the same thing with the Bad Batch, and I don't think they're going to do that until they really fully know where the story is going and to let the audience know that she survives this specific storytelling TV show, I guess, I unless they do it as a reveal. I, I don't know. I feel like it would be strategic. <laughs> it has to be strategic, you know, is know, what I'm saying. I know. I just, yeah. I thought it was going to come to in the book of Boba Fett. I really did. But I think I would prefer if it were up, if I got the choice, like something really specific and meaningful and referential to something in the past versus like in terms of a mention is say we got a book of Boba Fett season two versus just like a mention of, oh yeah, I can just call up Omega. Like, I don't want that. I want (laughs) something more meaningful, right? Yeah. Something that references some maybe something they've done together or things that they have worked out together, some bonding moment. I don't know. Well, I think uh, I think it will be to see what their relationship looks like will definitely be something to watch because Boba's not exactly a hero in this time period yeah. or yeah. really until the book of Boba Fett or really until his uh experience with the Tuscans, right? I think it feels like that's when he has this change of of morality a little bit or something like that you know what I mean he's a bounty hunter um for most of the time Mm -hmm. that we know him and even the instances we see of him in the Clone Wars he's not exactly again a hero like to compare his childhood versus Omega's childhood so I imagine that if they were to meet you know Omega probably doesn't agree with how he is conducting himself I would imagine so I I would love to see what they would talk about, what their conversations would be about um, and how it, you know, impacts the galaxy or not impacts, but how they think about the galaxy and other clones and kind of what, uh, what their role is in the galaxy too. And I imagine that that would change throughout the years too. So I don't know, I'm waiting for it. I continue to wait for it and I'm sure it is strategic and they can't leave us hanging on the Omega Boba connection forever, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Yeah. We need closure. We need closure. (laughs) One of the uh, things that also really stayed with me is at the end of the episode, you know, after um, Palpatine's speech, right? Uh, when they're having their debriefing right before Echo says he's leaving. Uh, I think it's I think it's Hunter who says the fate of all clones is now sealed because of us. And this really reminded me of Andor and how Cassian slash Clem uh, through, I forget the name of the planet now, but when they steal the payroll, right? And this- Aldani. Aldani, thank you. This is the uh, catalyst for the Empire to start cracking down even more on the galaxy, right? This is what Luthen really wanted, but there's, Cassian doesn't know that. And his actions eventually lead to Cassian's own arrest later on in Space Miami. Um, and this really reminded me 
this line from Hunter really reminded me of kind of that sequence of events with Cassian. And I think Cassian realizes that he was kind of part of this snowball that led to a lot more tragedy. Uh, Thank you. You said the the piece of oppression um, in the galaxy. So I, uh, yeah, I thought this was a good connection and I think it's purposeful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you had put in the, you were just typing when I couldn't find the right words, the quote from uh, Andor, the pace of oppression outstrips our ability to understand it. And I think we perfectly see this with Palpatine. He's 15 steps ahead and the fate of the clones is now sealed because of fellow clones trying to get more rights and more, more help for clones. It ended up damning them even more. And how mm-hmm. messed up is that? This quote, like, honestly lives in my head rent free. Like, mm-hmm. it is actually, it can start charging rent. I don't even care. Like, <laughs> I I feel like it is <laughs> just, it really <laughs> sums up so much of what we what we talk about sometimes on this show. And I really think that the swiftness in which Palpatine is able to act before any sort of act of rebellion or victory or hope or justice can even come through when the evidence is right in front of their face, Palpatine swoops in and changes the game, changes the direction completely. I gotta say, do you think he was just sitting under the floor like with a live stream? Like, all right, let's yeah, go a couple of ways. Maybe I yeah. need to be here. Maybe I don't, but let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I do think he's often in Coruscant, if I were to guess. Yeah. I, you know, in I I feel like this is legends. I don't think it's ever changed. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Someone let me know if it's still if it's canon. But it used to they used to say that they switched the name of like Coruscant to Imperial City. Oh, and I, there. Yeah, I always wanted them to kind of fully change Coruscant when the dictator started to rule, right? I felt like it would have been good to see Palpatine maybe in his like castle, I guess, is the metaphor that I'm thinking about. So I do think he stays here a lot. That's the point I'm trying to make is I think he stays here a lot. And I say that because I feel like in Return of the Jedi, when Mm -hmm. there's that one captain who's like, the Emperor's coming here, you know? Yeah. It feels like the the Emperor doesn't really make special appearances ever. And he plays his cards when he needs to. And I think if I were him, which I'm not trying to be, I would stay <laughs> close to where the action is happening which at this point is Coruscant. I know. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. We're safe, guys. I'm just making it clear. I don't want to walk in his shoes, okay? <laughs> we are safe from Empress Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he does stay on Coruscant. I think, you know, there's another moment in this episode where they're, I forget which one, but they're walking around uh, Coruscant and we hear Rampart over the PA system kind of spewing this propaganda about uh, creating the conscripted military. So it's clear that they're kind of spreading word throughout Coruscant with the people that live on Coruscant about, um, you know, kind of wanting, you know, propaganda about the the stormtroopers and what the Empire is doing and, of course, fighting these insurgencies that are on far and remote planets in the outer rim, right? Again, this if this feels, you know, like a lot of things we you could put into today's world and, you know, we've heard it before, right? So I, I think this was such a good episode and good set of episodes. And yeah, we're, we're so dense and we'll definitely be ones that are referenced a lot in the future, I think. And I think a lot of things will build off of what is kind of 
for lack of a better word, kind of set into canon in these episodes. And it, I think it kind of changes everything moving forward for for the Bad Batch themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a good episode. I really can't wait to hear about the behind the scenes of it all. Mm-hmm. The I think you mentioned at the beginning of the show about the storyboarding and a lot of planning that goes into this. So I just can't wait to hear about these two episodes and fun little facts that come out of it. It's episodes like these that make me really miss Rebels Recon. Me too. Uh, Me too. We we were so lucky. We didn't even know. Yeah. We we I know I think we did know. We did always you always say we didn't know and I remember being like this is the best like I love doing this I think it's just watching the show always get something like this it would just have a new alliteration in the future yeah 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 Uh, R.I.P. I know I'm mourning your loss I just I really think they need to bring something back like Rebels Recon it just also not to mention I don't mean to throw anyone under the bus here but there's no episode guides either for these episodes right kind of is sad it's sad (laughs) at least we had the episode guides that gave us nuggets and now i'm just scouring twitter for the creators for them to uh share some i know right i'm like keith Kellogg, david collins i can always count on them to like provide exactly every week on twitter about the latest episode so yeah if anyone is listening who's in charge of, of rebels recon or um the episode guides these ones specifically, I would love more information on. And yeah, I'm so excited to like see people's opinions and and what the big takeaways were because this feel like the writing in this one really does kind of feel very similar to like an Andor episode and like all of the the huge things that were going on in the galaxy and um you know, Andor's writing was so was so amazing, right? <laughs> and how they were able to distill things down into these like lines that really carried a lot of weight. And I think that I think that they did that in this episode too, uh, with you know things that were going on in the Senate, and even like with Omega's like very again like childlike lines of, well, you know, like where do the clones sit? And it just kind of hangs in the air of well, they don't they don't have representation here. Anyway, this just was all very good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, yeah. And and then of course, you know, we end with with Echo staying with uh with Rex and yes. our bad batches, you know, one member fewer now. Looking forward to the next episode though. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um well is there anything else, any other little tidbit we need to add in before we wrap up this episode? I don't think so. Just a reminder that we our next episode about the Bad Batch will actually be March first, which I know is Mandalorian Day, but it's also Bad Batch Day. So Get ready for a, an episode about four episodes of The Bad Batch. So. <laughs> Our next batch of Bad Batch episodes. <laughs> and we'll also be covering The Mandalorian too. So that'll – we might have – who knows? We'll have like a double episode day. I don't even know at yeah. this point. But it, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. It's on the table. <laughs> everything is on the table because everything is yeah. coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, speaking of animated new, animation news, we have – Vision season two was announced as well. I know all of the I know. studios. Um, I am so excited for that. Excited. All, so many new studios, so many different types of animation from around the world. I am so looking forward to that. And yeah. again, if you're listening to this and you watch The Bad Batch and Star Wars animation, you haven't watched Visions, you got to watch Visions. Oh, guys, you got to watch Visions. It yeah, is. got to watch Visions. It's so good. They also released the titles for the, the next set of episodes for Visions and – 
feeling some sort of way about the titles, a lot of good titles. So since we are kind of talking a little bit about visions here, I pulled up the episode list. There are nine episodes for season two. And like I said, the titles are so good. They really got the wheels a turning in my head. There is the episode Sith, which is from a Spanish from Spain. Screechers Reach, which will be from an Irish studio. In the Stars from Chile. I Am Your Mother from the UK, Journey to the Dark Head from South Korea, The Spy Dancer, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that one, from France, The Bandits of Galak from India, The Pit from Japan. You guys know what I'm thinking of with it. I don't even have to say it. <laughs> um, and I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, but IU Song from South Africa, IU spelled A-A-U. Uh, Anyway, these titles, I mean, come on, Journey to the Darkhead, The Spy Dancers, The Pit, Sith. Anyway, it's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be like with all of these other studios from around the world too um, because, you know, you and I both have, um, you know, watched a lot of Japanese animation before anime, uh, but a lot of these uh, studios and these countries, I haven't really experienced uh, many animated things from a lot of these countries. So I'm very excited to see. But you know what I have experienced a lot of? The UK studio is the studio that does Wallace and Gromit. Yes. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited for that and like Chicken Run and things like that. I love that. So yeah. I am very excited for potentially like claymation right star wars which i think is going to be amazing Ugh. if they do that i don't know whatever they do i'm excited for obviously but looking forward to that style uh, yeah yeah i think that was yeah that was the one that i kind of recognized um yeah but i'm so excited for visions i hope they just keep doing more visions uh, as many as they can because i think it's such it's so cool it's such like an incredible opportunity to see all these different uh, approaches to star wars and i'll be like a broken record on that. So I'm very excited for this next season. Uh, not to like go off on like a visions tangent here at the end of our Bad Batch episode, but uh, <laughs> this is like our next recording session after <laughs> that dropped. So I'm very excited. It's okay to talk about animation on an animation mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. It's totally fine. Exactly. Yeah. All that to say, we will be covering vision season two. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just... No question. <laughs> and it's just it, the thing, the thing about it that needs to be said is that's coming up soon. That's May 4th. That's the yeah. Star Wars day delivery so I'm very excited yeah yeah guys the the next two months <clears throat> the next two to three months a lot going on so we're I mean it's literally two months until we go to London <sighs> yeah, which yeah, is yeah. so crazy mm -hmm. yeah I wasn't gonna say it because I know it causes us both a little bit of <laughs> I'm very stressed I haven't <laughs> thought of, at all about the celebration it came up so fast I Two months doesn't feel like enough time to do anything. So I don't even know. No, I'm like, it's, it's all it's all to hell in a handbasket now. Like, we're done. Yeah. I, there's there's nothing more the chillest celebration we ever have. So I don't know. Not by like want, but more by necessity. So I think we're going to be so overwhelmed being in a different country. I mean, I know well, you live there. Like, it's not like a brand new. I don't feel that overwhelmed by that at I think all. I feel it'll like it'll be very different. It'll be a very different energy and I think it'll be different. It's gonna be different. Yeah I do think it'll be different. Yeah. But in a good way. Yeah exactly. Anyway all that to say is we've got the rest of the Bad Batch, Mandalorian, Visions, whatever is announced at Celebration coming out. I wonder if there'll be something else coming out on May the 4th. So anyway there's just there's a lot to prepare for. So let's all get prepared. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I think that is going to wrap up this episode for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed these episodes of Bad Batch. Like I said, they've been, I think, some of Charlotte and I's favorites so far from the entire series of Bad Batch. Um, just absolutely incredible and really looking forward to what's coming next. If you would like to talk to us about these episodes or visions or celebration or any of the other 100 things coming out about Star Wars, you can find us online on Twitter at our the podcast handle, which is at SkytalkersPod, or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher, and Charlotte's is at Crarity. We also have our website, SkytalkersCom, our TikTok, our Instagram, our Facebook page. You can always email us. Those are all great places to find us. Um, our email, I should have said that too, is Skytalkers or hello at Skytalkers.com. That email, again, is hello at skytalkers.com. And if you haven't left us a review yet on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would really love it if you took a couple seconds to go and do that as it helps other people find and join in on our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our different reward tiers there. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. Jedediah, Brad, Natalie, Anna, Madison, Trevor, Ali, Sophia, BB, Nate, Mason, and Sophia. Aubrey, Emily, Angela, Ian, Kelly, Stephanie, John, Kate, Tadashi, Catherine, Jeff, and Anna. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.